You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. Everybody good? Amen. What a great day. I am... I am Cody, I'm the campus pastor of Renew Life Church. It's been 10 weeks since I've preached, so uh, it's super fun to be back. I wasn't like suspended or anything, FYI. <laughs> I wasn't on probation or like, there wasn't something I said that I shouldn't have said, there was none of that. I, it just kinda happened to work the way that it worked. And so we did four weeks of a Blessed Life series that was amazing, it's been, it's been a cool 10 weeks, but uh, I, I would just say that I'm thrilled to be able and um, given the opportunity to speak today. So uh, it's gonna be fun. Before I dive too far into my message, uh, if you came in, you probably noticed that there are a couple of trees um, in the sanctuary, I mean, in the foyer that are for Angel Tree. And if you don't know what Angel Tree is, Angel Tree is an organization uh, that we've partnered with for, I think, since 2016. But basically, those, those, those tags that you see on the tree, those represent kids that were signed up by either their mom or their dad, sometimes both, to receive gifts because their parents are in Christ already, or one of their parents are in Christ already. And so this is an opportunity for us to parent, or partner with these parents that are uh, in jail or imprisoned uh, to help provide gifts for their kids because they, they sometimes can't. And so uh, it's been really cool. We've, we've had such a privilege to do this year after year after year. Uh, one of the great things that I, I was really happy to hear, I spoke for 300 angels in Midland, Texas, and they only assigned us 122. And that means that multiple other people or entities or organizations in the, in the county uh, are actually helping meet the need in the community. So I'm glad that we only received 122 because that means that, that these kids are actually being taken care of or the number of parents incarcerated is dropping and these kids are actually being welcomed by their families. And so it's such a really, really cool thing that we get to do. Uh, if you didn't take one or if you did and you skipped a couple steps, that's totally fine. But when you take an angel, and I would encourage you to, there's about 50 left and it's our kind of our mission, and it's always happened this way, to not let there be an angel on the tree after Angel Tree Sunday. Uh, in the history of Renew Life Church, there's never been one left after church on Sunday. So I would expect that this not be uh, any different. And I'll take 50 home if I have to. Um, but I know I don't have to because you're generous people. And so, uh, but when you take a tag, uh, what you'll notice, uh, there's a few things. Uh, because there was only 122, we asked the first service to only take one per family. Uh, in years past, you know, you might be able to take like a, a, a group of siblings um, because you wanted to be able to buy for all of them. And because there's only so many, we asked that there would be one per family. Uh, if you took two, don't tell anyone, it's fine. Uh, we won't hunt you down or anything like that. But if you do take one, just take one per family. You'll see on there something different than we've never done. Uh, in an effort to uh, try to spread the love evenly, if you will. Uh, on, the, on the tags, you'll see that there is uh, a note that says $50 to 150 as a limit. We never have put a limit on that before, but we've also always made it available that you could take multiple kids in a family home. So the, the idea behind that is we didn't want this kid to get like a bicycle and this kid to get something that wasn't a bicycle. I don't know if you have kids, but sometimes those things matter to them even though we're trying to teach them that it shouldn't, it does. And so that was just kind of an idea that we had that we were, we were hoping would help uh, kind of spread that love evenly. Uh, once you take a tag, please don't just take a tag and leave. 
step aside, there's a, a pub table with uh, some incredible volunteers. In fact, there's been some ladies that have worked really, really hard uh, to put this together. Would you just give them a round of applause and just tell them thank you? Yeah. I'm not gonna make them. Um, I'm not gonna make them stand on their seats or do anything like that. That would be really fun, though. Uh, but they worked really, really hard. But it, once you take a tag, if you'll just step aside to the pub table that's right there, there's an information sheet. We just need to get a, a bit of information. Uh, that child's name, that child's code. It's all marked on the card, and they'll help you with it. Uh, we just want to make sure that we can track the things that need to be tracked correctly so that if there's a hiccup in the delivery of the gift or anything like that, we can, we can help facilitate those things. I will say this, uh, the thing about Angel Tree is you actually get to give the gift to the child most of the time. Um, you knock on the door, if the child is there, you actually get to give that gift. It's really a sweet thing. Sometimes they, w they choose to wait to open it on Christmas. Uh, sometimes they're allowed to open it then. Uh, it's a really cool thing when you knock on, on their door and they, their eyes light up. It's, it's a beautiful thing. If they're not home and it's just the caregiver or the guardian, obviously just give it to them. If no one answers the door, don't leave it. Uh, Take it with you, you might call them because you'll have their information. You might call them and say, hey, uh, I tried to drop the gift off, it didn't work. Can we communicate another time? If you can't get a hold of them and no one's home, just call us or bring it to the church and we'll make sure that it gets delivered. We just don't want it to get left on a doorstep and go missing or anything like that. We want these kids to actually get uh, as much of the blessing as they can get, amen? So thanks for partnering with us on Angel Tree. It's been, it's been really cool. There also, uh, if you don't get one today, there's a really good chance that there's gonna be about maybe 27 more on the tree next week. Uh, just because there was about 27 or so families that they just didn't um, get back in touch with us. We left voicemails and all those things. They just haven't called back. So we're gonna reach out to all of them again to try to make sure that everyone gets uh, ministered to in this way uh, if possible. So amen. Sweet, I'm excited about sharing uh, this message this morning. It's gonna be, uh, I think it's gonna be helpful. I think it was helpful for service. If, if it wasn't, people just lied. We don't lie in church, right? Amen? Uh, outside of church, just kidding. Um, I was preparing for this and just praying. And one of the things that I felt the Lord say before I even started writing, he was like, hey, you're gonna be preaching to people that feel stuck. You ever felt stuck in your life before? Like the feeling like, ugh. I don't know which way to go, how to get there, if I can get there, I don't know what to do. It's kind of this really, really challenging place of a hard season. And maybe you're not stuck right now. Maybe you were stuck yesterday. Maybe you feel fantastic today, or maybe you were stuck last week, or maybe the person sitting next to you is stuck. Regardless of where you find yourself, we've all been in a position where it feels like things just aren't working out. I read this about being stuck, and I really, really like this. It says this, feeling stuck is this overarching sense that you need to do something to move you from the place that you're in to the place that you would rather be, but you just can't. It's that feeling of knowing like, I, I need to change something. I need to move on beyond this. I need to actually kind of get free of this, but I just can't. It's, it's a weird suffocating kind of place. Stuck is a place where nothing seems to work in your life. Like relationships are challenging. Uh, you don't feel encouraged in any way, shape, or form. Your thought life is really messed up. The wheels of your life just seem like they only spin, but there's no traction. It feels like you're going nowhere, and you're going really fast at the same time. It's like you're not just spiraling slowly. It's like you're dropping like a sack of potatoes. Sometimes that's what st stuck feels like. 
Stuck feels suffocating. It feels never ending. So I wanna share three things as we move forward that I hope are helpful uh, tips is what I'm gonna call them. You can follow me, hashtag follow me for tips. Um, actually don't follow me because I don't post anything. It'll be the boring, it'll be the most boring page you follow. I'm just one of those people that just scroll, you know? I just scroll secretly. I don't like anything. I dislike a lot of stuff, but I just don't mark it. You know what I'm saying? Like most of it is dislike, but you just keep that stuff to yourself. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. If you don't have a like button, don't like it. Just keep scrolling. Anyways, let me pray. Get this thing back on track. Jesus, I thank you for our time. Thank you for these folks and, and the fact that you've uh, brought them here this morning to hear your word. Uh, I pray that that's what we hear, that we hear your word, uh, that we have ears to hear, that we're sensitive to your word, that we're sensitive to your nature, that we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you uh, to lead us and guide us into revelation of, of what our season looks like and what our season should look like and what it looks like to live in unison and grace and in stride with you. Uh, I pray that you would help us get traction in our life in, in multiple different areas, maybe the entirety of our life, that it would just begin to move forward in the way in which we hoped and, in, and expected it to. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, grace me to speak this morning, you would grace them to hear this morning, that we would all do our parts, but God, that ultimately uh, you would do yours and that you would be glorified in this. We love you, we thank you for these things, we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I think about getting stuck, I think of the most Texan thing possible, and that is about my first truck. You know, um, I, I was given a four-wheel drive vehicle when I turned 16. And then the instructions that I was given along with that vehicle was don't go off-roading. And I'm like, are we in the same universe? Are we speaking English? Like, how, how is it possible to give a 16-year-old guy a four-wheel drive truck and then say, don't take it off-roading? I had this 1991 uh, extended cab Nissan. I called it the beast. You know, because when you're in high school, your, name has, your, your vehicle has to have a name. You know, I'm glad we grew out of that as adults. Um, but I had this, this Nissan truck. It was the type that was so small, you know, the seats, they fold down from the sides. You know what I'm talking about? Like you sit knee to knee this way. But mine were folded up because there was a giant subwoofer box in the back. Couldn't hear yourself think, you know, everything rattled in the truck um, because it was old and because of the stereo system, it was fantastic, it was the best. It had a, a manual sunroof, um, you could just fully take it off, it was great. Uh, it was just a really fun truck, my stepdad had it. We tortured this thing, uh, multiple trips to a river where we drove it through a river, lost bumpers, lost spare tires. Um, it was a beast, like it had a name for a reason. And you know, if you've lived in Midland for any amount of time, how many Midlanders are in the room? You remember this place off of the interstate just past Loop 250 called Six Mile? Oh, come on, somebody. The glory is filling the room as we speak. <laughs> Six Mile was this place that was just off the interstate. You stayed on the service road, the north service road when you exit Loop 250. You went down a couple miles, and Six Mile was this place where when it rained, if it rained, um, it would fill up in this place. It was the most glorious mud hole that a redneck's ever seen. And this one was happy about it. It was awesome. I remember uh, I was a sophomore in high school and it rained, a, a great rain. And we, we took a trip, uh, some friends and I, we went down to Six Mile and we get there and it's just like, I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it. You know, like when it's, when the mud is perfect. <laughs> it was just perfect that day. There's this guy, he was a senior. He was smaller than I am. I'm small. 
so I'm not talking bad about small people, but he was smaller than me, but he had a giant truck. And so he thought that his truck made up for his smallness. You know what I'm talking about? Like those like little short man syndrome kind of guys. I'm not one of those, amen. I had a small truck as well. It didn't, it didn't affect me, uh, but he thought his truck put him over the top. Like he was six foot tall or something. He was like five foot or something. I don't know what he was. He's a little guy. He's a little, little wee guy. And um, so all these people are gathered around this guy and there's this portion of six mile. It was like this deep trench and it was really deep. It was muddy, it was full of water. And he's like, he's taking his giant blazer and he's like, if he's in this room and he remembers this, this is gonna be the craziest thing ever. Anyways, he might be. I run into people from high school all the time in here. It's, it's kind of wild. He's like blasting through this trench and water is going everywhere and like people are ooing and aahing and I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is not mudding, this is splashing. He pulls up and he gets out in his shortness and he's like, bet the Nissan can't do that. And I was like, oh, it can do that. Oh, it can go all the way through there. I don't know if it can. It can. I pr it will go through there in first gear, slow, forward, and then it will get put in reverse and it will go through there backwards. I've said way too many words at this point. <laughs> and all these people are like around, you know, and so now you gotta like put up or shut up. You know, you can't just, they're gonna see you at school the next day. And so it's, it's a bad situation. So I put in first gear, I put in four wheel drive low and I start making my way through this trench and the water's coming over my hood and I'm like, this is not good. And so I get all the way out of it, miracle. And then the worst thing happens, I got out of it. I'm like, I should have gotten stuck because it would have humbled me. I got out of it and I was like, reverse. You know, because I already said I would do that. Reverse, I reverse, the worst thing happens. I get out of it and I'm like, now my head doesn't even fit in my vehicle. I get out. And I'm like, I'm two inches taller than you, but you're way shorter than you actually really are. Like I have this giant head syndrome because I made it out. Truck sputters all the way home, don't even know how it ran afterwards. There's no how, telling how much water was in it. It gets worse. That was glorious in prideful ways. But the next day after school, we went back. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm a sophomore, he's a senior. I'm like, I'm on top of the world, bro. Like, nothing can phase me. And the beast, it speaks for itself, bro. <laughs> so a friend of mine, he's one of those kind of friends that always is like poking you to do the things that maybe you shouldn't do. He's kind of like Keith. <laughs> if you ever been around Keith, Keith, Keith gets you to do all the things that are holy that maybe you shouldn't do. They're all sanctified things, believe me. Um, he's like, hey, we should go through the middle of the middle. Well, no one went through the middle of the middle because you get stuck in the middle of the middle. But we did, and we got stuck. <laughs> You know, and I'd say this story and it's funny and it's entertaining, but you know who I called when I got stuck? My dad. You know who we don't normally call when we get stuck in life? On the father because we are ashamed, we have guilt, and we're embarrassed. And we hide in those things and we say, I can't call him because he told me that I shouldn't do X, Y, or Z. My stepdad told me, do not take this truck off-roading. And I took it off-roading and he was the call that I had to make so that I could get unstuck out of the position of my will spinning so that I could actually go forward in my life in this moment. So he comes and he's not happy. He was not, he was not excited about this situation. Winch line gets pulled out, two tow ropes get towed, get, 
tied together and then untied to the, to the winch line where he and I both are digging in the mud to, to hook onto the toe straps. Finally, we get pulled out. Uh, but I say all that to say like, in times of being stuck, the father is who we have to run to. Because in the father is everything that we need for life. Yes, you did something wrong, but you are not something wrong, right? Yes, there is, there is something that you did that caused you to get out of line. You rebelled or you made a mistake, one of the two. But in the, in the Father's presence is the, the perfect place for you to run to. You can't stay out there in this place of stuck and then allow the enemy to come and start telling you everything that you now are because you were disobedient. Because I promise you, he wants to talk you out of your identity and your destiny every single moment of every single day. When you're stuck, you have to run to the Father. I wanna share these three things with you um, that I believe might help you in this position of being stuck. Before I do so, would you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter nine, verses 23 through 24. It's gonna be our text for the morning. I'm gonna read out the New King James Version. It says this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I believe that these two scriptures are kind of a blueprint for us to utilize in order to get stuck. And the first tip that I wanna say or share with you this morning is this. If you're finding yourself stuck, Stay in grace or get back in grace by humbling yourself. Like, okay, what does that have to do with being stuck? He says this, he says, uh, he talks about those who are wise glorying in their wisdom and, and the, the one that's mighty glorying in his might and the one that's rich glorying in his riches. To glory means to take pride in. But he says, if you're gonna glory, glory in this, that you understand and you know me I am the God of, and then he lists these things. When I glory in me, like I did that second day, I end up stuck. In this life, when I choose to glory in me, take pride for who uh, I am or what I have accomplished or what I have done, I'm actually stepping out of grace and I'm now receiving resistance. Scripture says that he gives more grace to the humble, but he rejects the proud. If you find yourself stuck, go back to the Father and glorify who he is in his name. You start decreasing so that he starts increasing. All of a sudden you have grace on your life that is empowerment to live the way that you're designed to live in the new covenant and you begin to get traction in your life once again. If you're stuck, make yourself go low, stop celebrating you and start celebrating him. Make sure that he's getting glory in your words, that he's getting glory from your heart, that you're not praising him with your lips and your heart being far from him. One of the ways I think that this happens is we, someone, someone says, man, that was, that was an excellent thing that you did. Oh yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm, yeah, I studied. This is a great word. Yeah, I studied a long time for that one. It was, it was, it was yeah, it was just long hours of just sitting behind the desk and reading my Bible. No, it was actually his grace on me that even put me in the position to be able to do the thing. I don't know what your uh, avenue is, but that's my avenue. 
And in those moments, I can deflect and say, oh, it was all God. Robert Morris, we did that Bless Life series. He was talking about a friend of his that, that was a, a, a songwriter and he came and led worship and did all these things. And this, this, this one particular Sunday, he sings this song and he gets off the stage and somebody was like, man, that was incredible. And he's like, yeah, it was all God. And the guy responds, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, i put that one in my pocket. But like sometimes I think that we get stuck because we, we glorify him out here, but inside of here we're celebrating us. Inside of here we are the man. Inside of here I did make it happen. Oh, if, any, if, if they really knew what I was doing, they would, they would see how important I really am. Look at me because I am worthy of looking at. That's kind of how this thing works sometimes. And in those moments, we will dig ruts where our wheels are just spinning. There is no grace or empowerment to live supernaturally when it is about you. It's easy to fall into. Really, really easy to fall into. Tip one, stay in grace by humbling yourself. When I glory in him, I get grace. When I glory in me, I get a mess. Over and over and over again. Oh, I'm gonna run out of time. Lord Jesus, help us. Don't let me get stuck, Lord. I'm just kidding. Uh, going low and staying in the grace of God will cause you uh, to have sudden traction in your life. All of a sudden, in these moments when you will... Uh, when you'll actually take an inventory of how much celebrating of me do I do, and if you'll shift that onto the Lord, all of a sudden your life won't be powered by your limitedness, but it will be empowered by the fullness of his grace on your life. Tip number two, let's, let's dive to that because I have 12 minutes. Um, tip number two for getting in stuck, when you're, when you're stuck, make sure that you cause yourself to remember the goodness of God. If you're stuck, just begin to remember God. Just remember his goodness on your life. It's interesting, in seasons where you're stuck, it feels like everything is suffocating, like I said, and it's like the walls are closing in. It's really hard sometimes to remember any good thing that God has ever done because the only thing that you can think is bad. I don't have this, they're gone, he's gone, she's gone. They said this, I said that, everything feels dark. And in those moments, you're gonna have to reach really, really deep and make yourself remember the goodness of God. He said this in Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 24. He said, but let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and that he knows me. Remind yourself that you know the Lord. Who is the Lord? He says, I am the Lord exercising loving kindness. I am that God. I'm not a God of loving kindness. I am the God of loving kindness. Remind yourself of who God is when you feel stuck. Remind yourself by reading what he has said of you, about you, when you feel stuck. Open the Bible and begin to, to pour through the pages of his goodness and his mercy that is extended to you every single day. Find yourself in the new covenant, looking and reading and talking, and it tells us about how Jesus, while we were yet still sinners, gave his life for us. Celebrate the goodness of God in your life when you feel stuck. In Revelation chapter two, pretty incredible set of scriptures. He calls the people in this moment, the church of Ephesus to remember him. He says this in verse two. He says to the angel of, church, to the, angel of the church of Ephesus write, 
These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your works and your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and they are not. You have found them to be liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and not become weary. Verse four, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In this, God is saying, I am first love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He loved first. In this set of scriptures, they're doing everything that is fantastic. They're doing all the things. They're checking the boxes, all the things. Out, out, outwardly, they are praising the Lord. Outwardly, they are blessing his name. Outwardly, his, their lips are saying all the right things. He's saying, but internally, you have left your first love. He says this, remember from where you have fallen. You are stuck because you have fallen. And what you should do in this moment is remember the place that we were at before you chose to start going a bit of a different direction. Can I tell you that God has never left you nor, nor forsaken you? He can't. When you feel far from God, he didn't go anywhere. And when you feel far from God, he's waiting for you, for just, for you to just remember from where you have fallen and repent and then go right back to where you were with him. It's not this, Lord Jesus, please bring me back into relationship with you. You never lost it. You never lost it. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember how good it was with God. How do I do that? I read his goodness. Also, I would say this, anytime that you get a word, anytime, I would, in the good times, you should do this because you'll have a harder time remembering in the bad times. In the good times, get your phone out. Get a journal out, get a piece of paper and begin to write the things that God has done for you in your life. Write the testimonies of his goodness in your life. Write them all out so that when you're stuck, you will read them and remember his goodness. And you'll say, oh Lord, I repent because I've settled for a lesser reality. You actually are with me. You actually believe in me. You actually are doing good things in my life. And here's the proof over and over and over. You have the written proof of the things that he's done in testimony. And then you have the written proof of the things that he's done in the word. And it will cause you to begin to get traction in your life once again. You have to make yourself go back to remembrance of the Lord and his goodness when you feel like it is gone. You have to. The third thing I'll share is this, and I'll close with this one. Tip number three. Tip number three, if you're feeling stuck, is take responsibility for the management of your soul. Take responsibility for the management of your soul. If you break down the soul, uh, obviously the soul is the mind, will, and emotions, right? We have to make sure that we're managing our soul. It's interesting. Oftentimes, when we get stuck, it's because things were going good, because God was making some things happen, and then we stepped off, like I said, into celebrating us and thinking that we were doing the things that were making everything happen. I made the calls, I knocked on the doors, I did the hard work, I did the studying, all these things. I, I did and so therefore I have. In those moments, and success comes because God is good, we can move from the pureness of, it was the gift of God on my life that allowed me to get wealth or success, whatever that looks like to you, into this place of thinking, now I have to sustain all of it. 
he brought it, thinks God, I've got it now. The moment that you say that you have it, your workload increased because in and of yourselves, you can't actually sustain your provisions. Now you're waking up earlier and you're staying later. Now you're turning down lunch meetings with people that you should actually do life with because you actually say this all the time, I just don't have time because I've got to make things continue to work. I just don't, yeah, I just don't have time. Before you know it, you find yourself not having time for anything or anyone that should have time in your life. Chris Valentin said it like this. He says, I propose to you in seasons where we're saying that we don't have enough time, we don't actually need more time, we actually need more soul. I actually don't need to grow my time capacity, I need to grow my soul's capacity. If your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions, the things that you think, the things that you feel, they affect the things that you do, mind, will, emotions. In the seasons of not feeling like you have enough time, start taking responsibility for your thought life. How long are you thinking the wrong thing about your season? How long are you thinking the wrong thing about you because one person said something that was negative about you and it sent you into a tailspin? Can I tell you that after you think that wrong thing, it's probably going to influence your emotions in a negative way? Why do I feel anxious all of a sudden? Because I've been thinking the wrong thing. Why am I so afraid? Because I've been thinking thoughts that are fearful. I'm depressed, anxious, I'm fearful, have no hope because I've chose to think on a thing that was a lesser reality than what God said I should be thinking on. And then all of a sudden, you know what happens? Bad thinking leads to wrong emotions. And you know, when you're depressed or full of anxiety and you, you just can't get yourself out of this pit of bad thoughts and bad emotions, you know what you tend to do? Nothing. I'm gonna numb out. I don't, really, I don't wanna deal with that emotion. Yeah, I'm just gonna, man, I'll just sit here and scroll for a minute. Before you know it, 30 minutes or an hour went by. Actually, I'm just gonna have one drink. Before you know it, you had four. Or you start gossiping because it deflects off of your situation onto someone else's. But your thoughts influence your emotions and your, influence, your emotions influence your doing. And all of a sudden we get through the end of our day and we've numbed out so many times because we've been thinking the wrong things about us or our situation for so long that we say this, I just don't have enough time. And he's saying, no, no, no. If you will take your thoughts captive, if you will go to war for your mind, your emotional state will get healthier and your doing will look a lot more productive. It really is a real thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four through five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every one, how many of them? Every one of them bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Invasive thoughts, intruding thoughts, they've gotta be dealt with fast. You can't, you can't tolerate wrong thinking for very long 
before it starts affecting you emotionally. I don't know why I feel so down. Well, you've been thinking terrible things. You're not the only one. I was, in, I was stuck this week. Anybody else stuck this week? Yeah. First part of the week, ah, I was real stuck. I was in a bind. Called a friend. I was not thinking good things. I wasn't feeling good things. It was causing me to want to do things that I don't normally do. Not anything like sinful, just nothing. Like just tune everything and everyone out. I called a friend and I was like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And he said, oh. He began to tell me all the things that God has said over me. It's good to have people on your side too, right? For you know, he reminded me of the, the goodness of God. He reminded me of what I'm called to. He, he actually helped me remember God and what God has said over me. And then all of a sudden, I have traction again. I have to take dominion over our thoughts. Invasive thoughts have to be dealt with. Imaginative arguments have to be canceled. Just think for two seconds about that imaginative arguments. How many defense cases do you have developed and ready to go against the person that might say the one thing to you? And the conversation ain't even happened yet. Ooh, if she says that, ooh. I got, I got, I got it locked and loaded. I will turn it sideways right now. I will just start spraying and praying. We do this. If we think that our spouse is not happy with us, if there's an opportunity is what I like to call them, opportunity for me to learn or her to learn, most of the time I learn. If, I, if she's not happy with me and I know she's not, and I can begin to have these imaginative thoughts of what she might say, I will start putting up a wall that she can't penetrate long before a conversation ever happens. And then I wonder why intimacy doesn't exist. Not, I'm ta not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about me knowing her and her knowing me. I put a wall up because actually behind the wall is my insecurity and my defense case promises to protect my insecurity. If you're building defense cases before conversations ever start, you probably actually just are dealing with some insecurity. The Lord actually wants to reveal it so that he can heal it, so that you could actually be seen by your spouse, by a coworker, by your boss, by your pastor, by someone. But we have to get really aggressive. Be equally aggressive, I would say this. Be equally aggressive at coming against wrong thinking as wrong thinking is aggressively against you. Because it don't take any time at all to be a long ways down the road of bad thoughts. You will talk yourself out of your job, out of your marriage, out of your parenting, out of your calling, because one thing got in your sprocket and just derailed everything. We have to be aggressive about taking our thoughts captive. Be aggressive about managing our soul. If you will get aggressive about managing your soul, you will walk into 3 John chapter two and this will be the fruit of your life. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers, as you take your thoughts captive and your emotions change and your doing reflects those two things, you will begin to walk, as the scripture says, in greater levels of prosperity in your life and greater levels of health because you're not wasting time thinking wrong thoughts about yourself, talking yourself out of who God says you are and the things that he has provided for you to have.
If you're stuck, and we all have been, and we all might be, go low by humbling yourself and get back in grace. Remember the Lord and his goodness. Repent if you've walked away, and then just go back to doing the first works. And lastly, if you're feeling stuck, just begin to take management of your soul. How are my thoughts? How are my emotions? And are they affecting what I'm doing or what I'm not doing? Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.